is hard for us at the moment, right? But there's something special at the end of the road. And hopefully we'll get to see you guys again. And we're going to see you guys at camp meeting, right? We'll see you all at camp meeting. All right, so let's pray and bow our heads. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this wonderful Sabbath. Thank you so much for all the times that we have been able to share with um, everyone here. Thank you for always um, speaking to us um, and help us keep you close and help you help us trust you. Um, I know some things can be uncertain at times, um, but all we have to do is keep you close and trust you more. And the way we can do that is by reading your word and praying always. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done for us here and be with every single uh, kid that is here. Lord, speak to them, guide them always, and thank you for everything that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. don't see a special music listed this morning, but I have some good volunteers to help, and we're going to sing for you number 470. There's sunshine in my soul today, and we're going to sing the first, third, and fourth verses.
Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you, Matt. And now, yes, thank you, Rosie, for playing piano today. Good to see you up front again. All right, we have our scripture reading today, which is found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Happy Sabbath. Thank you so much for your kind and generous gift that you gifted us. Uh, we were not expecting that, so thank you so much. You know, they're, they're, and, and for those who are, are here, maybe visiting out of town for the first time, and, and you did not know, you did not receive a call during the week, it would be, it, this is my last uh, Sabbath as a senior pastor here in, in Marshfield speaking. I will be here, if you're planning to attend camp meeting, I will be here all the, uh, all the month of June. I'll be in camp meeting for, for, for till, till it finishes, and then we're off to some uh, meetings from the North American Division with pastors, and we'll be back at the end of June, and then we plan to leave the first week of July. And so... You all have my number. The bulletin's there. You're welcome to text me, call me, and uh, if you see me during camp meeting, uh, we're gladly to you know we're glad to to sit down with you all, uh, chat a little there, uh, and and so with that in mind, let's let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, we we're thankful for your calling for your church. We thank you, Lord, for the ups and downs of life, but we thank you that you're always in control. And so, Father, as we open the word this morning, may your Holy Spirit be poured out in each one of us. Remind us of what we have been called to do, the high calling, Lord. Not just a group of people, but the whole entire church, Lord. You've called each and one of us. And while we may not see that, allow me to speak on your behalf, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, there's a saying, and I don't know if you've heard, it's an old saying that says, love begins with a smile, it grows with each hug, and it ends with tears. And now, saying goodbye is never easy. And it's hard, and it's never a happy moment when you care for those around you. Yet I remind myself, don't cry because you're saying goodbye. Smile because it happened. And let me tell you, these past two years have been one of the best years of my life. I was introduced to, the, to this district as a senior pastor, graduated from Southern, and, 
I got to meet each and one of you as I visited, and later on you got to experience uh, the time that I got married with Jasmine, and you all celebrated with us, and so it's been an awesome time and enjoyable time here with all of you, and let me tell you, I've grown as a leader because of you. I've learned lessons because of you, and I am happy to know that even though we are in a transition and it may be some uh, sad times, I'm happy to know that his church, he's the one who leads this church. Not a pastor, not a person. He is the one to push his church forward. And while we transition, he still leads this church, he still leads us. You know, I've been blessed to have had a church that is so hard to say goodbye to. Oftentimes, a pastor leaves the church under very difficult circumstances. It could be a forced termination or a resignation during unfulfilled expectations or even moral failure at times. But God has given us, Jasmine and I, two wonderful years here in this district. And I praise God for that. My wife and I are not saying goodbye today. As Christians, we believe that there is no goodbyes. There's just see you later. And so I want to express my deep thanks to each and one of you. You have more than met my expectations for the ideal church here in Marshfield. Jasmine and I have enjoyed greatly getting to know each and one of you. And thank you for the patience that you've had with my leading. If you were... Uh, part of the board as you sat through the boards. Thank you for being patient with myself. Thank you for wanting to work together in unity. And, and all in all, and let me tell you that I will miss being your pastor here in Marshfield. Our time was cut short, as many of you have heard, and this was, was not in our plan to leave so soon. But while we may not know the answers to our whys, we are confident that God is in control, and he is leading his church in our situation, and he will answer our prayers in his time. You know, I, I came to Marshfield, and this is something you may not know here. I came, I was presented, and I was weighing 135 pounds. All right, you may think, wow, he, he probably looks like 135. Let me tell you, that's not true. As I, we have a, a, a scale in our, in our bathroom, and, and I weigh myself this week, and I weigh 165 on a good day, okay? On a good day. And, and I started to think, you know, wow, I've, I've gained some pounds. I mean, I probably needed them. And, and I would have to say that some of you are responsible for the first 15 pounds, all right? Because when I got here, I remember I was, I was uh, well, not a bachelor. I was already engaged with Jasmine, and, and, and you all invited me, welcomed me into your home. I mean, you fed me. And so 15 pounds that I've gained during my time here, is, it has, it, it's due because it's, you're responsible for that. I just wanted to let you know that. And, and we, I enjoyed the meals and getting to know you uh, as I visited you when I first uh, was 
introduced here to this district, but of course, not all the pounds that I've gained are your fault. Jasmine has to do with the other 50, uh, 15 pounds and her cooking there. And while we say goodbye today, it, it made me think of, of stories that the Bible uh, tells us about uh, goodbyes. And I noticed something that in every story that there was a goodbye, it was never the end. And, and so today I tell you that even though we say goodbye, it's not the end. And, 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 and I, I, I usually keep a log of, of sermons that I, I preach, and I have a log of all the sermons I've preached while my time here. And, you know, it, it made me smile because my first sermon here, it was June 25, I believe. You may not know that, but I have it logged there, June 25. And I preached on Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. And, and I smiled because I, you know, I said to myself, wow, Lord, in talking with the Lord, Lord, I preached my first sermon of, of Matthew, and that was actually Jesus' first sermon, the Beatitudes. And I said, Lord, I preached your first sermon here in this church. That's amazing. That's awesome. You see, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, if we go back, Malachi ends with a curse, but God opens up the New Testament, with his first sermon with many blessings. And so as I tried to wrestle with what do I have to say, uh, Lord, what do you want me to say today? A thought came to mind. I wonder what was Jesus' last message discourse. And so today I want to just spend the next few minutes here and focusing on three things that he laid to his disciples as he sang his final discord. And so turn, to, turn with me to chapter 13 of John. John chapter 13 gives us Jesus' last message to his disciples. And I want to remind the church, and I want to remind myself, uh, how Jesus reminds the disciples of three things that he wanted them to take after his death. And wanted them to live by. And so this is something that was God in God's heart. And I want to remind you that which was in God's heart at that time. A little context here. John chapter 13. Jesus is giving his farewell discourse. Matthew, Mark, Luke do not talk about the whole story. They just mention the story of the Passover, as we know. And many of us probably have sat here, communion after communion, hearing the foot washing story. But John gives us a little more details as to what happened that Thursday night. And so I'm just going to skip through some of the storage. Uh, for those who do not know, I'm just going to narrate it. You can go ahead and read it yourself. It begins in chapter 13 of John, and it goes up to uh, chapter 17 where Jesus prays. Uh, in chapter 13, we, we find Jesus instituting, telling the disciples that he no longer will be with them. And of course, as always, when you have to say goodbye, there's always this, this sadness, there's always this, this discouragement, there's, there's this hope that once was no longer exists. And so Jesus gives them hope. And in, in 13... And it's interesting because in the Greco-Roman culture, if you do not know this, you see Jesus in, in chapter 5, he begins with the Sermon of the Mount. And, and I could just imagine Jesus, he's, he's, been, he, he's been 
writing this sermon since he found out that he was the lamb of, 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 of the lamb to be slain at age 12. And I can imagine a 12-year-old trying to say, God, what do you want me to say when I speak to your people when, for the first time? And if you have ever, if you have never thought about it, just think about it. He took years and just thinking Jesus saying, Lord, what do you want me to say to these people? When I first speak on your behalf, when you read the, Mount, the Sermon of the Mount, at the very end, it tells us that people were astonished because of the authority he spoke with. It was a powerful sermon, a sermon that they have never heard before, a sermon that defied how things were done in those times. And so I oftentimes... Tell, say to people, you know, Jesus was a rebel because he did not do things the way people did it in those times. And so here, I can imagine Jesus doing the same thing. God talking to his father, what do I tell my disciples so they can take that, that mantle and, and move forward? What do I say? How do I say it so it could be engraved in their mind and that they can never forget? And so in that society, in the Greco-Roman world, the culture was that only a slave would wash the feet of their master. It was not a Jewish slave. It had to be a Gentile slave. You see, it, it was the lowest thing that someone could do in those times. The Jewish people did not do that. They had to get an, a, 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 a Gentile slave to wash their feet. And, every, and it was custom that every time you went into a guest house, a slave would wash your feet. And in, thir- in, in chapter 13, you see that Jesus is the one who takes the bucket of water and he gets down on his knees and he starts to wash Peter's feet. It makes sense now why Peter bursted out. Oh no, you can never do that. Because how can the Messiah, my teacher, how can he do that? But once Jesus explained why he was doing that, Peter said, just wash me whole. See, what was Jesus trying to say? There's three things that Jesus gives in his discourse that last night. He gives an example. He gives a command, and he bids you to trust him. So the first thing was he gave them an example what to follow. He was saying, listen, and in those times, the highest virtue, one of the highest virtues that someone can have was honor. Everyone strived to have honor. And so Jesus, he doesn't do it the way society has been taught. I mean, if you look back at the Gospels as well, you see that Jesus never, he did it differently than any other teacher in his days. And usually what occurred in those times was that the disciples, anyone that wanted to learn from a rabbi, went to the rabbi and said, could I be your disciple? That was the norm. And the teacher would then look at them and say, well, let's see. They had to go through the school of the prophets and all those schoolings that the Jewish had, had so they can keep going. But Jesus himself, if you look at the Gospels, he doesn't wait for the disciples to come to him. He does what? He goes. 
He doesn't choose pro- he doesn't choose people that have gone through the schools of the prophets. He chooses people that are fishermen, people with no education. And he tells them, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus does things differently. Because his school was not the school of the prophets. His school was the school of Christ. And so Jesus, again, does things differently. He doesn't wait for a slave to wash the disciples' feet. He goes and he gets on his knees. And he says, I want you to know that society wants you to be honorable. I want you to know that your virtue, the highest virtue of society is honor. I know that. But I want you to know that my kingdom, the virtue that you need, and I'm setting this example, is this. You need to learn to be a humble servant. That's the first thing he told them that night. And I want to tell you today, as Christians, we've been called to be humble servants. And, and, and it, was God, it was like God said, I, I want you to, if you're here, I want you to step down and humble yourselves. And when you and I humble ourselves, see those that you and I can serve. And then he goes on that night and he tells them, do unto others as I've done to you. Follow my example. And so he sets the example and he sets it in such a way that they could never forget how to be a humble servant. And if you read the book of Acts, you see that they oftentimes did communion. The second thing that Jesus did with them that night was he told them a commandment that they had heard many times. And he said, love one another. The second thing was love one another. And so as we love one another, as Jesus set the example, I have, he said, I have done what I've done to, to you, do unto others. He told them to love one another. And he made him a promise. In John chapter 14, you see the promise that Jesus says, and I must go away and prepare a place for you. Because if I go, I must come back and I will give you, of course, I'm paraphrasing, but you can go ahead and check yourself in chapter 14. He gives them a promise that just as he is leaving, he's not just leaving because he wants to leave. He's leaving because he's going to prepare a place. And if he's going to prepare a place in his father's home, he will come back. And I want to focus on chapter 15 now. After giving those three things, after giving them the example, after giving them the command to love one another and the promise that he will come back, he tells them how to accomplish, how to live as the example that he set, how to stay with his promise, and he tells them how to fulfill that commandment. In chapter 15, he gives us a solution as to how to do exactly what Jesus did on that night. And I want to read in chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus was telling them, listen, if you want to follow my example, if you want to learn how to love those that are hard to love, if you want to keep my promise and live by my promise, you must do two things. Chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, and you are what? The branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you are what? Bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. 
That night, he was telling them what to do, but he was telling them how to do it. Brothers and sisters, we may transition out to Andrews at that moment, and we don't know where God's going to lead us afterwards. The plan is to come back to Wisconsin, but during this situation, I'm more, it's more clear to me, God's plans are not my plans. But I want to remind you that if we ought to be examples to this community, to this world, by, humbly, by being humble servants, by keeping that commandment to love one another, and by, by taking that promise and living by faith, we need to do one thing, and it's sticking to that vine. The vine that helps us bear fruits. Because Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. My vision as I came to this church was that, to be a church united, that anyone that would come to this door would not see people, but would see people filled with the Holy Spirit. United in one accord. And I tried my best to implement those things. And of course, two years is not enough. But I pray that as I transition, as someone comes in, God leads this church to be united, filled with the Holy Spirit, connected to the vine, to bear much fruit, to bear fruit not for your honor and your glory, but to bear fruit for the honor and glory of God. He tells them, connect, be connected to the vine. And notice that he says the vine is the, the only vine that can give you life, the living water. Jesus himself, he says, connect to me. Because many times we like to connect to other things that make us feel good for a time, but still end up empty at at the end. So remember to connect to the only true vine, the living water, Jesus Christ. And to jump in chapter 16, he tells them another thing. We need to be connected to the vine if we want to follow his example, if we want to keep his command his commandment, and if we want to keep his promise. But we also need to do something. And he tells them in verse chapter 16, verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive that what he will make known to you. All that belongs to my Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The second thing that he wants to remind them is that they ought to be connected to the vine, but the way they will be connected to the vine is by having the Spirit in them. Brothers and sisters, Jesus wants his church back. He wants a church that reflects what we read of. And oftentimes, I think, in Acts chapter 2, and I read this marvelous story that took place in the beginning of the early church, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I see that prophecy says that we will come to that. But when is that going to happen? It needs to happen now. Jesus reminding them, you need the Holy Spirit. If you want to follow my example, if you want to love one another, let me tell you, loving people is not always easy. 
And if you want to keep my promise and live by faith, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because he is the one that will connect you to the vine and he will be the one to bear fruit. But we must be connected to the vine. And we must daily be seeking for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Our church created a mission statement, and that was to love God, love people, and make disciples. Jesus himself gave the commandment. But we can't fulfill that commandment. We can never learn to love God, love people, make disciples if we do not have Christ in our hearts. We can tell, we can say, but our lives will never reflect the life of Jesus unless we're connected to the vine and filled with his Holy Spirit. And so I leave with this reminder. Jesus set an example of being a humble servant. Jesus gave a command to love one another. And Jesus gave a a promise that he will come back again. My prayer and hope is that each and one of us can live remind, being reminded of these things. Live as though Jesus will come in our lifetime. And I finish with this story. There was a father who was in army. He was in the army. He had been drafted. His time had come. And he knew that he was getting shipped soon. So he sat in his porch, looking at everything he had, just thinking about his family, worrying, not knowing what's next. He had heard that many of those soldiers that had been called before him were not coming back. And while all of this is going on in his mind, one of his son approaches him. And he says, Dad, will you come back? Holding tears and and a knot in his throat he doesn't want to lie he doesn't want to just give a false hope because he's heard all he's he also has had heard of fathers telling their sons and daughters that they will come back and they never came back and they were blame god so he didn't want his family to blame god for what was next and so as honest as he could he said to him son i don't know if I'll be back. But until you see me again, promise me two things. He looked them straight in the eye. And he says, promise me that you'll pray for me and my protection. And promise me that you'll take care of your mom and your siblings. His son looked at him baffled, confused as, as to his answer. And he said, Dad, I promise you that I will pray for you and your protection, and I promise that I will take care of mom and my brothers and sisters. You see, the father never came back home. But the son always remembered those two things. He could never he couldn't pray after he found the news that his dad had died, but he kept his other promise, which was he took care of his mom and siblings. 
We might not see each other again after seminary. But today I ask you for two things as well. Pray for me and my wife as we transition. But pray for those that are next to you. Work together, united. Press forward together. Pray for one another because Jesus Christ is coming again. Keep his promise as he set the example, as he gave the commandment, as he gave the promise. Remember. And one day, if we might not see each other here in this world again, one day I know what we will see each other at the feet of Jesus. And so remember, pray for us. We'll keep praying for you too. But also take care of one another. Pray for one another as the Bible tells us to do. Grow with one another. Press forward with one another. United. Because a house that's divided cannot stand, Jesus himself said it. And so pray for the Holy Spirit so God himself can bring unity into our church like we've never seen before. There are people out there in the community who are needing of Jesus. We can be the light, the salt that this world needs. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you've promised us that you will come again. You've promised us that you will be with us till the end of the world. You've promised us your Holy Spirit. But you also have given us the example to follow. And oftentimes, Lord, the example that you set before us, it seems unattainable. And so, Lord, when we lose faith and when we get discouraged, when we lose hope and see that we're so far away, we pray that your grace may cover that space and we may become that which you've called us to be. May we be a church filled with your Holy Spirit so that everyone in this place, when introduced to our members here, can see the love that Christ gives to each and one of us. Father, come soon because this world is getting darker. And help us be the light of this community, the salt that gives flavor, the salt that people need in their lives at this moment. I pray a special blessing for this congregation, for the kids that will grow up to be men and women after your own heart, for the parents, for wisdom, for the adults and the elderly who so faithfully serve you as well. And Father, pray for the leadership. And Lord, just remind us that you are in control of everything, that you are the head of the church and not an individual or a person. And I praise you for being the head of the church. And I thank you because you are the head of the church. So Lord, bless us this day, this hour. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.